0: I feel like there are so many Christians who spend so much time on the run or on the ropes when the enemy or the devil, if you will, or the adversary, is what the scripture calls it, uh, calls him also, does not have authorization to defeat you. Somebody say amen. Like the only time you are defeated in life or the only time that you're beat down or the only time that you have consequences are somewhere in your life, you've allowed an open door that has caused you to to fall or to fail and the enemies gain leverage in your life. There is no doctrine of defeat in scripture that says, though you're, you know, there's no doctrine that says, hey, you're a Christian and you're a believer, uh, but just randomly the the devil can do this to you or he can come at you. But the scripture says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church And we say, well, that's the church. You are the church. You're the church. We're the church. The body of Christ, we're the church. And the promise is that the gates of hell will not prevail against you. It didn't say that uh, they'll never come against you because they'll come against you. The more that you're walking with God, the more that you're believing and trusting, the more that you're stepping out into what God has for you, the enemy is definitely going to try to throw things at you to get you out of the game. But the scripture says the gates of hell will not prevail against you. So the idea is what? The idea is it's up to us to do what? Make war. We have to stand in the, in the face of the enemy and say, hey, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to retreat. God has called me to this, and this is where I'll stay. Somebody say amen. And so uh, there's too many people who say they just, you know, Christians like in, across culture We say, I'm going to stand for the Lord. I'm going to stand. And then adversity comes, and we just find a reason or an excuse, and we justify why we're going to back down and why we're going to give up and why we can't do it instead of getting the tanks and the planes and just having (laughs) war. Somebody say amen. And so I'm going to be a little fired up for the next four weeks about this. Because why? Because we are not... Uh, the enemy is not authorized to defeat us. He's not authorized to take from you. He's not authorized to hold anything back that God has given to you. He can't lay claim to. But the problem is too many of us surrender it with our excuses and with our th- and we give it right up to the enemy so quickly instead of making war on it, instead of identifying ourselves with Christ, like we put, and I'll read these scriptures here in a minute, that just say, look, God is for us. Who can be against us? That's all I need, Amen oh, you guys got to wake up. We're talking about make war. Okay. And so there's a few things I want to look at here in scripture. And, and we lost a whole bunch of time with those crazy kids. Uh, they're the worst. Those kids always, you know, I'm kidding. Obviously that's the best part. So, um, so I'm going to get through a little bit of this and then we'll just pick up in, a, in another week. But uh, I want to throw these scriptures out to you. These are good for you to hold on to them. They're good for all of us to hold on to. I will get a scripture like my iPad right now. Uh, you can have a, a background wallpaper. So instead of having like the tiger's wallpaper or whatever, uh, I've taken like scriptures that I'm standing on right now. Yeah, basically scriptures I'm standing on, uh, things I'm believing for, and then words that have been spoken about it and I, and I mashed them all together. And so every time I flip open an iPod, that's what I see. And I'm reminded of why, because I'm making war over that situation. I'm reminding myself like, Hey, this is where I'm staying in this. Amen? And so for you, whatever it is, write some scriptures on the mi- write these scriptures on your mirror, write them in your car, put them wherever you see them. Uh, so that way when you're tested or when you're in struggle, you can go back to that thing and you can say, no, this. I think a lot of times that we have missed it too. is like God will speak a word to you or, or he'll inspire you or he'll encourage you. And then you don't do anything with it. And the scripture that says, hey, write the vision on a tablet, make it clear that you might remember it. Uh, the vision isn't always a vision of like, here's the plan. It could literally be that inspiration to you. God, God opened your eyes to something. You had vision. So God opened your eyes to something. You're like, whoa, that's a revelation. That could be that same vision that he's talking about. Take that, write that eye-opening experience, write the date of it, write the moment of it, make it clear, put it on something you're going to remember and stick it somewhere that you can stand on it. Amen. Okay, so here's some of those scriptures that you can remember. Ephesians, uh, I didn't give these to you, Doug, you're gonna be mad at me, but uh, Ephesians 6.12, maybe I didn't give you this, I don't know, anyway. Ephesians 6.12, it says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That's the idea of this series, is that we're not in this to wrestle against our bosses and our co-workers and our thing and this person and like, you know, whoever and whatever. No, the, the the battle that we're in, the struggles that we're facing are still in the spiritual realm. There's still, I believe, a devil and there still is a God and angels and a he- there's a heaven and a, and a hell. There is a, there's a good and evil battle that still takes place. The spirit that was on Goliath when he tried to defy the, the armies of God is the same spirit that we face that tries to pull us down with unforgiveness and bitterness and, and uh, lust and some of the things that can destroy our lives. Those same spiritual forces are against us, amen? And so we have to remember in this war, when we set out to make war, it's it's not a war about our coworker or this person or this person. No, it's it's not your ex and this thing. You no, know. no, it's against the spiritual battle that we're facing. And the more that we live conscious of that, I think the more victory we'll see. Amen. The video said this. It said they triumphed over him by the blood of their lamb and the word of their testimony. And then another scripture said, The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Our call isn't to be on the run. Our call, is, our call isn't to be on the run in retreat. Our call is to be on the run head on. Put your helmet down and hit somebody like we would football, right? Like it's football season. That's the call as Christians. We're the head and not the tail. We're the people going after it, not on retreat. Uh, it says, uh, with your help, I will run through an army. With help from my God, I can leap over walls. We all know Philippians 4 13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In Psalm 46, it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. It also says in Isaiah, it says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. It didn't say, oh, it increases the attitude or, oh, it increases the mindset. No, it increases the power, like, because you should be somebody who can stand up and make war, amen? Scripture we know says, God, uh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So whatever the circumstance that is in the world that's trying to come at you, greater is God that is in you than anything that can try to come against you here in the world. Amen? Problem is, we try to equate, we try to solve, or we try to battle the world with like our worldly weapons. And so we say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And so to defeat the world, we should just stand in the greater God that's in us and defeat the things of the world that are coming against us. But instead, what we do is we go, I'm going to use some things of the world to try to defeat the world. And so what you're doing is not greater is he that's in you. You're going, I'm using the things of the world to combat the things of the world. And so mathematically, we're trying to figure it out, or we're reading self-help books, or we're relying on our education or our background instead of saying, no, I'm going to trust the God that's in me to defeat what he promised, the things of the world that we can overcome. Amen. Are you with me? So there's a really cool story about going to war and I don't know how much time we'll get to. We'll, we'll honor time for you today. But Judges 7:13, Judges chapter seven, verse 13. Uh, you can turn there if you want, but we'll put it on the screen. It says this, it says, And Gideon had come, and when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it, It fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Verse 14, then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel into his hand. God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Verse 15, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshiped and returned to the camp of Israel and said, arise for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Here's what's going on in this scripture. Gideon's about ready to go take over the Midian camp. They're going to make war. They're going to go overthrow this camp. And so their idea is, hey, the night before, let's go there and spy on the tent. Like, let's go see what their setup is. Let's see what's going on. So as he's there checking out how they're going to make war, how they're going to defeat these guys, uh, the scripture says, as they're kind of spying, they overhear these two soldiers talking about, man, I just had this dream. And the dream is of this loaf of barley bread, this symbol, and we'll talk about it here in a minute. Uh, Basically, he realizes that through the dream, God has delivered this camp into them. Like they're going to have victory. It's going to happen. And so Gideon's all stressed out, which we'll read here in a minute, about going to war. And when he gets there, he realizes that the enemy's having a nightmare about him. So Gideon's in a place where he's like, oh, we need to go scout him. We don't have enough people. How's this going to work? And when he gets there, the, his enemy was having a nightmare about him. I believe that our enemy should be living, having nightmares about us. Somebody say amen. I believe that the devil, I believe that our adversary, I believe that those who come against the church, not talking about vertical church, I mean the church, the church of the body of Christ, not just for, of course, vertical, but the body of Christ. I believe that the enemy should be having nightmares about what we're going to do here on earth. Amen. And so that's what's taking place here is before he even fought the battle, God had delivered them into his hand. Gideon shows up and realizes that, hey, they're more in fear about what he's prepared to do than what he's getting prepared to do to them. And I feel like that's how we should spend our every day is, hey, I'm not going to, we live as Christians like, oh, the devil's going to get me. Oh, the devil. You talk to Christians like, hey, how's it going? How's the ministry? Well, you know, the devil is coming. We're in a season right now where the devil's really getting us. Why? Right? Somebody say amen. Like, why? Why do we live that way? We should be, oh, it's just another season just giving the enemy more nightmares. We're loving on people. We're, we're connected we're, we're living, right? Who's with me? I believe we've seen enough like demonstrations. Everybody's like, oh, he said demons. Where, what's it? Go, go get the snakes, guys. <laughs> uh, we're not going there. But we've seen enough sick things in the world. I'm ready for us to have some demonstrations of what God can do, and we'll put the enemy into a nightmare mode. Amen? So uh, I'll go through this as fast as I can. They always yell at me when I say that, so I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> I'm going to go as slow as I can. Okay, you guys okay? Hopefully no one has anything in the crock pot because it's going to burn. <laughs> but we got a couple of restaurants open on Sunday now in Zealand, so you'll be okay. Um, so God says this, here's the story before we get to the camp part. God tells Gideon, Hey, I need you to assemble an army. I need you to assemble an army and I need you to go fight the Midians. You're going to take over their camp and I've given you that land. And an angel shows up to Gideon and says, Hey, Gideon, You mighty man of valor, I need you to assemble an army. What's interesting about it, and a lot of you know this, but what's interesting about it is when they showed up to Gideon, he was hiding in a cave like a wimp. But when the angel shows up to him, he says, Hey, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, I need you to assemble an army. But Gideon was this weakest of his camp, the weakest of his family, the weakest of his tribe. And he's in a a tent hiding at this time. But the angel says to him, hey, mighty man of valor, I need you to assemble an army. Isn't it interesting that the devil does a really good job, job of convincing us of the opposite of what God really calls us? So God says, hey... You're capable. You can do it. And then the things that roll around in our mind, I'm not capable. I'm not good enough. I'm not educated enough. I don't have the right background. I don't have the right bank account. I didn't, wasn't raised right. I had that thing that happened to me however many years ago. I can't do it. But then God shows up and says, hey, you're forgiven. You're accepted. You're good enough. I believe in you. Somebody say amen. God always calls you where you can be instead of where you are because God believes in this. People will rise to the level of your praise. If we talk about people up here, they get there. If we, they, they will rise to the level of your praise or your criticism. So if you're talking about people down here, especially with our kids talking about, Hey, you rotten house, And you're talking about them way down here. That's what they get to. But if you praise them, Hey, I believe that you can get to them. You're the, they get there. Amen. We all know it. Same thing like at our jobs, if we could be praised and and encouraged and motivated, you have a better job. uh, You have a better chance of getting there. So he calls him a mighty man of valor while he's literally hiding. He's hiding at the time because the enemy will always challenge what God calls you. So the story goes like this. Gideon blows his trumpet. He says, Hey, you need to form an army and you're going to go out there and I need you to blow your trumpet. And it's going to cause people to come to you. And so he blows his trumpet and 32,000 people show up to fight the Midianites which we're like, yeah, that'd be cool. Like 32,000, that sounds good. But the Midians, the Midianites were about a half a million people, scholars say. So he's got 32,000 versus half a million. At this point as the leader, I'm already going, uh, I don't know about this. Like, I don't, you know, 32,000, a half a million. And then God says, oh, by the way, one more thing. Uh, everybody of those 32,000, everybody who's afraid, tell them to go home. So Gideon at one point comes up like, hey, 32,000, hey guys, um, Just so you know, it's us and then a half a million. How many people think fear just just like came to? So now he's got to go up there. Hey, it's like 32,000, half a million. And if any of you are afraid, um, you're allowed to go. (laughs) See ya, you're allowed to go home. Like how many people, you know, they're running. But why? God knew this. Fear is a dark place where we develop our negatives. And so fear is a place if we stay there where we actually subconsciously develop all of those negative things we were thinking of. So you get fearful about something and you stay there. Oh, if, if I, you know, if I do this, this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. And then you stay in that fear and you eventually subconsciously produce that thing you were fearful of. And so it's not good for us obviously to stay in a place of fear. And so he says, Hey, we can't develop all of those things that they're going to be afraid of. We need to send them on. And so all the fearful went home. And I thought about it like this. Sometimes, It takes more faith to stay where you are than to retreat. Everybody's like, well, yeah, it would take a lot of faith to stay and fight. But it's funny how in Christian world sometimes or in church world, we get really high and mighty when we leave things. So we start with something and we're on board and we're serving or whatever. And after a little bit of time, we get really, well, I just feel like God is calling me on. Well, I feel like God's called you to actually be faithful and put your hand to the plow and not look back. Somebody say amen. And I don't say it that boldly. I say it really kind. Like, oh, he has? Okay. Uh, so we got like a lot of quitters that aren't making war. And, uh, and they say, oh, I just feel like the Lord has really moved me. On. Oh, what has he moved you on to? Oh, I don't know. He hasn't revealed it to me yet. The angels haven't shown up with my job description. Oh, so you're going to quit, but you don't know what you're quitting for. Okay, that's effective. That's really cool. So. You guys already blessed me this morning, so I'll calm down. like, thank you. Okay. (laughs) But it takes a lot of faith to stay in something. It takes a lot of faith to stay in something. And I believe that's why the scripture says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Why are the laborers few? Because we got a lot of people that quit and run to the next easy thing. Well, that looks good and glamorous. And that's why we got church hoppers. And that's why we got all this stuff is because why? It's hard to stay in something. And uh, I believe the greatest ability is stickability, people who can just stick it out when they don't see it. That's why we know 90% of, of new businesses that fail, they fail actually they, just because they gave up too soon. They couldn't stick it out. That's why Psalm 23 three two says, he maketh me lie down in green pastures. We always want to jump to the next green pasture, like, hey, I'm going to get over to that green pasture. And, and, and God calls us to lay down and stay in what he's made for us. Somebody say amen. So I think that idea of just being able to stay. Uh, You think about it like this when it comes to the ark. Some of you have heard me say this before. It was only by persistence and staying the course and grinding it out. It was only by persistence that the snail made it to the ark, right? You got everything else is running by, jumping by, leaping by, whatever. That snail is just (laughs) grinding it to the ark. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And a lot of you are like, oh, what a stupid analogy. But listen, this week, some of you need to be like, I'm the snail. I'm the snail. I'm going to get there. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to get there. And if you can have that mindset of like, look, I'm going to grind it out. I'm going to get there. Sometimes we have snail moments of our life where it's slow and it's hard and everybody else is going so much faster. Like, oh, why couldn't I be that? Why couldn't I be that? Look how fast they grew. Look how I to be the snail and get there and get there. Because at the end of the day, the reward was the same for all of them, right? They didn't have, like, you know, extra food for the guys. There wasn't first class in the ark, I don't think, right? Oh, you got here early? Okay, you get to go up to the thing. I believe we need to just have that. Make war. God told me to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. That's the whole uh, I'm going to put my hand to the plow and not look back. Somebody say amen. So now they're all the way down to 10,000 left. So I'm sure he's going, man. We 32,000, we're down to 10,000. Well, we'll see what we can do with these. But then God says, hey, wait a second, one more thing. I'm going to need you to tell them to go to the river. And those that go to the river, tell them to take a drink. And he said, those that cup their hands to take a drink of water, those are the ones that you can keep. Those that don't cup their hands, they got to go. They got to go. So he's got like another cut now that he has to make. And I begin to think about it like this, you know, why would he have them cup their hands? What's the whole symbol in this? And I believe this in order for them to cup their hands, they had to lay down their weapons. So they had to take the carnal things that they had trust in and put them down so that with both hands, they could take a drink of water. Uh, maybe before they had the, you know, whatever was in their hand, their machine guns or bazooka, whatever. And, uh, they could hold that thing and maybe take a drink out of the whatever, but, uh, to be able to lay down what they had trust in and, and, and take a drink. I believe there was two symbols here that we could see. One is they laid down the carnal things that they had trust in. The other thing is they had pure and empty hands. They had empty hands. And the reason that that's important is it represents two things. One, I'm not going to be a person who trusts in carnal things. It's so easy for us to say, well, if I just have enough in the bank account, or, oh, if I just have enough education, or, oh, if I marry the right guy from the right family or the right whatever, and we put all of our trust in these things, if the kids go to the right school, if we live in the right neighborhood, if we have all of these things in line, then I'll be in good shape. But I believe if we can be a people that say, I'm not going to put my faith and trust in any carnal thing, I'm going to lay all that down in total surrender to God, somebody say amen. It's easy for us to even trust church. As our carnal thing that we trust in, uh, obviously we know the church is more than carnal. But it's easy for us to say, "Oh, my church, they'll pray for me. Oh, my pastor, he'll take care of it for me. Oh, the kids ministry, they'll do that. They'll take care of this. They'll ta-. Listen, statistically, your kid spends more time in front of media uh, like uh, TV, uh, iPad, like any kind of streaming. Your teenager or young person spends more time—50 50, about 50 hours a week—in front of a screen. And if you came to church every single Sunday, you'd be the only, in a year, if you came to church every single Sunday in a year, you made 52 weeks, first of all, you'd be the only person to do that. And second of all, uh, that would only be 52 hours. Okay, so if we have a one-hour service, a little bit more, but say your kids have a one-hour service, that means that in one week, what they watch on a screen defeats, and now we're not saying it defeats, but I'm saying more time is spent in one week in front of a screen than what we could do in a whole year if you came to church every single Sunday, I'm not downplaying what we do here with kids, men. I think it's important. I think it's fruitful and I think it grows at home. But if you're not doing more, if you're just trusting on the church to do it and the kids, the church is going to take care of it. And the, No, at home, we, so sometimes what I'm trying to say is it's easy for us to even just rely on the church. Well, I went to church and I paid a tithe and I sang a couple songs and I did a thing and now I'm good. And your security is just in that instead of in God. Instead of in a real relationship with God, who you're with every day in communication and trust. Amen. So I'll wrap up with this here in just a minute. We'll get you out. So he says, you got to empty your hands. You know, you got to have clean hands and empty hands. And uh, so they did that. And so uh, in closing, I'm just skipping through all these pages. uh, Three things he had them do at the end here. DJ, you can come play. I'll just take just a few minutes. We'll be out of here. Uh, Three things he had them do last. He gets it down, whittles that number down, and he gets it to this point. He says, here's what you got left. Here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to have him, I'm going to give him three things. First thing I'm going to have you give him is a glass pitcher. The second thing that's going to be in it is a candle. And so no light, just this pitcher, no candle through it, uh, no light through it. And the third thing is a trumpet. So you're going to get a vase, you're going to get a candle, and you're going to get a trumpet. And then when I have you tell them to, when you give them the sign, they need to throw the pitcher down. They need to break it. And then the light of the candle will shine. And then they need to blow their trumpets of praise. And the symbol here is this. If you're going to be a person who is ready to give the enemy a nightmare, you're going to be the person who says, I'm going to live and make war on the enemy. I'm not going to settle for defeat. I'm going to go after it. You got to be a person who's one like this is willing to be broken. So I don't like that theology. That's ridiculous. And so, no. you got to be willing to be used by God. And sometimes that breaks away our fleshly desires and the things that, so you got to be willing to be broken. Why? Because when you're broken like this, it gives you the ability for your light to shine. When they broke the vase, the light shined and they blew a trumpet of praise. Why is that important? Because when you're willing to be broken and let God use you, he can shine. And when you're broken and God shines and you can still praise, people say, whoa, there's really a God in them. There's really something going on with them because I saw that like they submit in their life and and they're willing to be broken and God's light still shines and they're still willing to praise him. What's in their life must really be real, amen? And I feel like for us, that's what it takes sometimes is a, a little bit of breaking and then the real light of God can shine in our life and then we give him praise through it because it's easy, like I said, to come to church or to do this, but here's what I believe ministry in your life or when you're being leading people or, or, or being the light ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. It's got to cost you something. You got to be willing to sacrifice. You got to be willing to make war. You got to be willing to go for it because ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Uh, some guys always encourage me always saying, you know, there's just seasons where if you want the blessing, there has to be some bleeding. Uh, I had a mentor of mine tell me this week, just some hard stuff we're walking through and trying to make decisions on. And, uh, there's just no great way to do it. And he said, how do you prepare for a root canal? You don't <laughs> You just go get a root canal. Cause there's just some things that like, Hey, there's going to be blessing. It's going to be better, but you just know there's going to be a little bit of bleeding. So you can't maybe be like the rest of your friends or be like this or be, there's just, you have to sometimes be different and and take an extra sacrifice. There's a little bit of bleeding, but there's, there's blessing in it. Uh, I'm not the person who says, oh, ministry, your misery, your misery is your ministry. But like, honestly, in a way, sometimes the things we have to grind out and just really fight through becomes the thing that when we've trusted it to God, it becomes the thing that you can really use to connect and reach and encourage people. Amen? How many of you have ever gone through something really, really hard? And you're like, man, I wish I never would have gone through that. Except for years later, you meet somebody who needs your experience and you go, Hey, I would go through that all over again just because I was able to help you. Sometimes our, our bleeding, our, our, our blessing and the bleeding, all that sometimes it all runs together. And I believe if we're gonna make war, we gotta be willing to do that. We gotta be willing to say, put me on the front line. I'm going to stand and fight. We're going to go do this thing because like we read earlier, God is for you. Who can be against you? We're the head and not the tail. And God, there is no doctrine of defeat for your life. Amen. Why don't you stand? I'm going to pray us out of here just because we ran over. Um, Blame it on your kids. It wasn't my fault. So (laughs) Um. But please, this week, that, like this month, like I've, I've said it a million times, but like really encourage you to get here because we got a lot of great stuff to say this way. And I believe this series literally for this church could be like a slingshot. Like if we just really grind it this month and, uh, and, and grab these concepts, I feel like the resistance really could sling us into something great heading into not only holiday season, but this, this new year. So let, let's just pray together and then we'll, uh, we'll jump out of here. So God, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. God, I thank you for these people in this church. Lord, we're family. Lord, I ask that you just just sink these words and these thoughts down into our heart. Lord, whatever it is that we need to trust you in and to believe and to grind it out, Lord, we want to do it with you leading the way. Lord, give us the encouragement and motivation to know we're the head and not the tail and that we can do all things through Christ. But Lord, when we trust you and move forward, Lord, let it be all in love. We don't want to think highly of ourselves or be cold to others. God, we want it all to be done in love because we want your name to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say amen.